Mark 8, 1 to 21. In those days when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people and set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied, and they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into a boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanthetha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign, this heaven, or a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they only had one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Do you not yet understand? Jesus is pleading with his disciples to understand something. If someone comes in and, and, and they're talking to you and they're like, do you see, don't you get it? Are your ears working? You'd want to pay attention to them, right? You want to know that what, they're, what they're up about, what, what they're so concerned about. So understand what? Jesus wants them to understand his compassion. That's what this text is about. It's about the compassion of God found in the person of Jesus. Uh, a few weeks ago, Brian preached a sermon for us on the feeding of the 5,000, which is a very similar passage to the feeding of the 4,000, you know, multiplication of loaves, fish. Um, well, in that story, Mark tells us that whenever Jesus looked at the crowds, he had compassion. And the same thing today. Look at verse 2 in the text. He tells the disciples, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And then later, whenever his disciples are in the boat and they're starting to freak out because they realize they forgot the bread, Jesus says, don't you get it? Don't you understand? See, he wants them to know that, yeah, he's compassionate. He's compassionate on those crowds, but also he's compassionate on them too. 
And we will see that, that actually his compassion is why he gets so fiery mad at the Pharisees in verses 11 and 12. So we're going to study this compassion in two ways today. First, he's compassionate. He's compassionate on the crowds. And second, and this is the really hard one for me to understand, he's compassionate on you. He's compassionate on me. So first, the crowds. So we need to understand the setting of where these crowds are. This isn't the first time that Jesus has fed a crowd. He fed the 5,000 Jews, but now he's doing it among the Gentiles. Look at verse 1. In those days. What days? Well, if you have a physical Bible, you can just glance up to chapter 7 and see that Jesus just healed a blind man in the Decapolis. The Decapolis. That was the Gentile region on the other side of the Sea of Galilee where all the, the Gentile lived in those ten cities. Well, the last time that Jesus was here doing ministry was whenever he healed the demoniac. There was that man who had a whole legion of demons inside of him, and Jesus cast him out, and they went into the pigs, and the pigs ran down the hill and drowned, and then they chased Jesus off. So everybody, except the guy that Jesus helped, um, they, they were upset with Jesus. But that one guy that Jesus helped, he wanted to, to leave with Jesus. But if you remember the story, what did Jesus say to him? He said, no, you, you're going to stay. And you're going to go and you're going to share what God has done for you with everybody around you. And now look at what we see in the text. There's a huge crowd of people at Jesus' feet. And, and this, this demoniac, he must have gone and tell, told everybody. Because Jesus says in, in verse 3 that many of these people had come from very far away. Not just the Decapolis, from very far away. There's something really neat that I find about this. Not just the fact that many people are coming. It's not that they're coming. It's that Jesus came back. See, all those people hated him the first time he was there. But even though they hated him, he didn't hold that against them. He had compassion on them. His heart still hurt for him, for them. So he came back. If you've done any social work or mercy ministry, you've probably realized that often it's, it's the people who need your help the most who are the most spiteful about it and the most ungrateful for it. And you will not make it in those fields if you are not compassionate. Jesus is compassionate. And also, he didn't pop in just to say hello. How long had he been there? He'd been with this crowd, uh, verse 2. It says, three whole days. Doing what? What's Jesus doing with this crowd for three whole days? He's teaching. Mark 10 says that that's his custom when he's with a crowd. He teaches. And what's he been teaching them? He's been teaching them the same thing he's been teaching since chapter 1. Repent. Believe in the gospel of God. The kingdom is coming. And he's not just teaching them. He's also teaching his disciples. He's teaching them something deeper about that kingdom. He's bringing them into his compassion. Uh, look, look, at, uh, look at how he's bringing them into his com compassion. Uh, he calls them to him and he says, 
hey, all these people are here. They've been with me for three days, guys, and they're really hungry. I can't just send them away. They're going to faint on the road. What's he doing them or with them? He, he, he's teaching them to see people the way that he sees people, with compassionate eyes. And it's, it's not just to see people. It's also to look at them and to care about not just what they know in their head, but every aspect of them. He wants to feed them. This is an all-of-life of sort of care, sort of compassion. My friend Sheldon lived in a rough part of Ottawa. There's a lot of drug usage around his, his building, and, and he hated it. He hated the addicts. He found them so annoying. He'd, he'd get mad at He'd yell at them. They'd be out digging in his trash looking for scraps of drugs, he would say, and he'd just yell. Couldn't stand it. But then he learned about God's compassion in the person of Jesus Christ. He believed the gospel. And then he, he wouldn't shut up about his drug addict uh, around him uh, because he was so compassionate on them. He's like, oh, I feel so bad for them. They're, they're these human beings, and, and, and they're stuck, and, and they're needy, and, and I just wish I could help. Jesus taught him compassion. And in today's text, Jesus is teaching that same compassion to his disciples. So that they hear Jesus. They're like, okay, Jesus cares about these people. And then, then verse 5, they're like, what are we supposed to do about this? They're in the middle of nowhere. There's no Walmart they can go to, even if they had money to buy bread. So they felt helpless to, to help this crowd. You ever feel like that? You look at the crowds, or you look at your city, or your neighborhood, or that one guy whom you keep passing by in the car, and you're thinking, I don't even know where to begin. You feel helpless, so you clam up. If so, pay attention to what Jesus says next. He doesn't say, try harder, think of something. And nor does he say, okay, fine, give up. No, he asks them a question. What does he ask? He says, how many loaves of bread do you have? What do you have to give? Seven loaves? Okay, okay. Uh, some small fish? Okay, uh, some anchovies. That's more of a flavoring than anything. Okay, okay. Go, take what you have, and share it. Then Jesus blesses that. He blesses the food. And, and the neat thing is it's probably the first time any of these Gentiles have been in a place where they've heard God's name blessed for something. They distribute the food. And miraculously, the more they share it, the more there is. See, they, they all saw a need, but only Jesus was able to satisfy that need. So he invited them into that work with, with everything that they had, but he took care of everything. Some of you have, uh, some of you parents and some of you kids, uh, y'all have made cupcakes or something in the kitchen. Uh, you kids, you get to help your parents, not because your parents need it. Well, maybe. Uh, they, they, have your, they have you helping them because it's fun for them. They delight to bring you into that work. They want you to learn that work and to enjoy it. And that is what it's like whenever God calls us to help. He doesn't call us to help because he's desperate to, to, to get our help. He, he wants us to be involved in his work, and he's going to make sure that that work gets done, and he's asking us to do it. 
He'd love for us to join him. And, and that is such a good reason to get involved in Mercy Ministries. And we've got a couple in the church. If you want to be interested or interested in that, just come talk to me. Um, see, see, we may feel afraid to open up our heart to the city. We may feel like we don't have an idea of even where to begin, and so we clam up. But Jesus invites us into that. And he's going to take care of everything. He's compassionate. So join him. So, okay, then Jesus and the disciples, they hop in a boat and then go to Dalmanutha. Uh, scholars don't know where that is, but it's somewhere in Jewish territory. And that leads us to the confrontation with the Pharisees. And it is almost as if the Pharisees were waiting for him on the seashore. Like, they're just waiting to fight. I don't know if you have kids and, you know, they get home from school and it's just like they're, they're ready to be bad or something. Well, the Pharisees are just waiting to just start it up again with Jesus. Instant argument. Look at verse 11. They began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Now we're about to see the other side of the compassion coin. Jesus is ferocious. Jesus is tough. Jesus is not a pushover. Jesus will walk willingly to the cross, but he was tough as nails to do it. We're going to see a bit of that, a bit of that here. So we see then the, the Pharisees, they start arguing with him, and then he drops a hammer on them, and we need to understand why. So the Pharisees, they hated Jesus. They wanted Jesus dead. They saw all his teaching and all his miracles as a threat to their position in society because he was calling them out. Remember earlier in chapter 3, they actually laid another trap for him. That They were waiting for him in a synagogue where there was a man with a withered hand, and he was thinking, oh, if Jesus heals this guy on the Sabbath, he's going to break the Sabbath law. And we look at that like, you know, idiots. There's this miraculous, compassionate healing going on, and you're worried about getting Jesus out of power. Well, anyway, it's the same thing here. They wanted to see if Jesus would break the law by performing a miracle. But not just that. They were going back, I think, to Deuteronomy 13, which includes this special law that says, if you have somebody who is teaching things contrary to the law, Contrary to God's law. Now, they thought he was just teaching contrary to God's law, but it's actually just contrary to the Pharisees' law. Anyway, if they're teaching something, but then they also perform a miraculous sign or something like that, then you need to kill them because they're not just a heretic. They're a heretic with, like, magical powers, and then that can be really dangerous. So I think that the Pharisees here, they're trying to get Jesus to perform some sign from heaven, not to receive any compassion but as a way to kill him. They are making a mockery of the compassion of God. And Jesus will not stand for that. So he sighs deeply in his spirit. I love that verse 12. He, he sighs, it, it is just, it's just hurting him, you know. And then he says, look at verse 12. He says, no, no sign will be given to this generation. No sign will be given to this generation. Now, it's hard to tell in translation, but this is the hardest no that you can say. It's actually a curse. It's like this Old Testament-style cursing oath where Jesus is bringing the hammer down. 
Go fact check me with Luke Burt later. He's like our our resident biblical language professor. Uh, But but Jesus is is saying they will not receive compassion because they will not receive the sign that they, they have made a mockery of what he has done with his life. And the way they're asking for a sign only condemns them further. What's the difference between them and all those Gentiles across the sea who hated Jesus? All those Gentiles across the sea repented. They didn't spurn the compassion of the Lord, but they learned it and they repented and Jesus had compassion on them. The Pharisees did not. Now, one one day, there would be a Pharisee named Paul and he would write a line that said, The Lord's kindness, his compassion, is meant to bring us to repentance. When we see his compassionate heart, we should should change and, and turn to him in awe of him. And these Pharisees, they didn't do that. They were wallowing in their sin. Uh, Remember the stone walls from last week? They were hiding behind them, saying that sin was out there but not in here. And they were just like King Herod, who, if you remember several Sundays ago, he kept John the Baptist in a cage, you know, listening listening to John, toying with him, but not repenting of his sins. And, And if you look at verse 15 in your text, you'll see that Jesus later warns the disciples to beware of the leaven of Pharisees and Herod. Repent. Watch out. So, so if you're exploring Christianity today, or if you're, if you're not sure if you, if you believe it, you need to know that it is a dangerous thing to look at the compassion of God and to turn away from it, to not repent, to see Jesus Christ, to, to hear his story of dying for sins, and to reject it. There's an urgency to this, friends. Beware. Watch out. You have one life to live, so don't waste it neglecting the compassion of God. We see that Jesus is compassionate, and he's so compassionate he's willing to fight about it. This leads us to part two. Yes, he's compassionate to the crowds, but also he's compassionate on you. And as I said, I think this is the hardest part to understand. It's the hardest part to me to understand about myself, that that he is compassionate towards me. The disciples clearly didn't get this. They're back in the boat, and they are sailing along, and and maybe Levi gets hungry, you know, so he's like rummaging around in the baggage, you know, looking for bread, and he can only find one loaf of bread. It's like, you know, when Sam's climbing up the the, the staircase in Lord of the Rings, and he has only like a a crumb of limbus. It's one of those moments. And, and so he gets scared because he's thinking, how are we going to make it? We've got like a dozen dudes in this, in this boat. and We only have one loaf of bread. They left the rest behind. Now, I think this is funny this morning because we actually forgot the gluten-free bread at home, and so Elena had to go run and get it. Uh, but Jesus uses this as a teaching moment for the disciples. See verse 15. Jesus says, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. You think you've forgotten your bread? Beware of their leaven. Beware of their yeast, their their bread stuff. You say you don't have bread, but that's not true. You're sailing with the bread of heaven himself. I'm right here. 
brushes right off the disciples' shoulder. They, they don't even pay attention. Verse 16, they go right back to like worrying. Uh, they're freaking out about not having enough food. And then that is when compassionate Jesus, oh so compassionate Jesus, drops the hammer on them too. Verse 17, why are you guys still talking about this? Why are you still worried? Don't you see how ridiculous you're acting? Don't you, don't you see how silly it is to talk about your life of bread whenever I'm with you? Please don't make a mockery of me in your presence. You know, Mr. Compassion himself is rowing the boat right next to you. Hey, don't you remember how I satisfied the need of the crowd twice? Don't you remember, remember my compassion? Verse 19, when I fed the 5,000, how many baskets of leftovers were there waiting for you? 12? Okay, okay, okay. Whenever I just fed the 4,000, how many baskets of leftovers were there waiting for you? Seven? Don't you get it? Don't you understand? Jesus is just like Moses from that passage we read earlier, Deuteronomy 29, how he's talking to the second generation of, of the Israelites about to go into the promised land, and he's saying, you guys, you saw all the Lord's compassion, all his miracles whenever we were being rescued from slavery in Egypt. I mean, look at your shoes. You've been walking around the same pair of shoes for 40 years. Personally, my shoes don't last six months. 40 years, it was a shoe miracle. But they didn't understand they forgot, and as soon as you forget that the Lord is compassionate on you, that is when you will start hunting down other lords. That is when you will fall into idolatry. Anxiety, look, I'm not talking about like just chemical stuff. We should be aware of our anxiety because it can lead us into idolatry if we do not remember what the Lord has done for us. And likewise, Jesus now warns his disciples of the same thing. They must understand that his compassion is for them. Not just the crowds. He has compassion on them. He cares about all people, and that includes them. Uh, if you have ever met an introvert, they, they, they've probably told you that they're an introvert. Well, well, I'm an introvert. I'm telling you now. And uh, man, there are some days I get very nervous that I'm not going to have any alone time. I've been working all day long. And then Elaine and I, our house is like a rotating door of people coming over. And, and sometimes I'm just like, how am I going to make it? How am I going to make it? I haven't had 15 minutes to myself to stop and think all day, just to like zone out. How am I going to do this? Uh, and I have to remember that literally every single time we've had people over, and like if, if you're thinking, oh man, I didn't realize I was making Frankie so sad. I never, I'm never going to his place again. No, like every single time I've ever had anybody over, I've loved it. I've been satisfied. I've been taken care of. The Lord has made a blessing to me. And he's, he's blessed by meager scraps of social energy, my three sardines worth of social energy. He, he's taken care of me. And I'm so thankful of that. I, at the end of the night, I would, I would not have had it any, any different than, than the way it happened. He's taking care of me. And I'm not trying to say that being an introvert is bad. Like, Jesus w was, was alone. He had a long time. Go take care of yourself. I go for walks in the woods. Do it. But, but for me, this is one of the ways where I have to remember the Lord's kindness on me. 
Uh, another one for me is I'm support raised. I've been support raised for years, like like 10 years. I've been asking people for money, and I just just to you know buy a loaf of bread. And I was terrified those first number of years. I had to learn time and time again that the Lord is compassionate on Frankie. That is that is hard for me. Eventually, he has cracked through my hardened heart, and, and, and I'm, I'm starting to expect his compassion. It's all him. What about you? How is this teacher teaching you of his compassion? Now, you got to figure that out. Don't, don't hear me saying, like, it's wrong to not have people over or something. Like, use wisdom. But, like, like maybe it's social things for you. Maybe you're, you're so worried about how messy your house is, you're, you're afraid to have people over. Maybe you're, you're so worried that money is lacking that you feel paralyzed. You don't know what to do. Maybe your health has been deteriorating or, or you're afraid it will, and, and you just don't know how long the Lord's going to care for you. I mean, but, but take a moment and look back. What has the Lord done for you so far? What has he fed you? See, there are lots of little ways that all throughout our life he has shown his kindness. Whether you believe in him or not, he has been kind to you in this life. He's been compassionate. But if you want to know his compassion, if you really want to know the compassion of God, you must see his passion is suffering because Jesus Christ came and his greatest act of compassion was dying on a cross he saw you in your sin he saw all the ways that you rejected him and hated him he saw all the ways that that you have tried to satisfy every need you have through ways that harm you He's seen your addictions. He's seen you rummaging through the trash, looking for something to find love, to find comfort, to find security, to find a way just to numb yourself. He's seen it. And he didn't yell, scram. No, he's come into your life. And maybe for the first time today or for the thousandth, he invites you to eat of his bread just as he did with his disciples a few chapters from now in Mark's gospel. When he gave them bread at the Last Supper and he blessed it and he said, this is my body, it's broken for for, for you. And they gave him a a cup of wine, he says, this is my blood, shed for you, drink drink of it. This is is good wine, it is me. I'm going to give you the best. It may not be what you expect, but it is better than anything you could hope for. And after that supper, he was delivered over the Pharisees. The Pharisees in today's text, what do they want to do? They want to kill Jesus. They get their wish. But Jesus goes willingly into that. He, he, he hands himself over to them. Because that was the only way to manifest his compassion to you. Next week, we're going to read about how Jesus... After all this compassion is done, he invites us to, to take up our own cross and to follow him. And boy, what a scary thing that is. But the only way that we can do any of this, friends, is if we entrust ourselves into his compassionate care. 
if we eat of his bread. You will be scared. You will fear tomorrow. But Jesus is in the boat with you. And his eyes are on you. And he has compassion on you. Do you understand? Let's pray. Father, we look at our life and sometimes we don't know how we're going to make it and we're desperate for help. So please teach us to seek our help from you, to trust you in life or in death and to your compassionate hands. Amen.